1: Is a calling I am honored and eager to answer. So yeah, now it's clean up on aisle 45 time, and for a long while yet, it
0: is going to be clean up on aisle 45. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Clean Up on Aisle 45. It is Wednesday, July the sixth, 2022. And this is episode 77, and I am joined, my, first of all, I'm Allison Gill, in case you didn't know. <laughs> That's the most important part. <laughs> yes, now that we have the most important part out of the way, uh, joining me, as always, is real-life lawyer and real-life friend, Andrew Torres.
1: The second most important part. So uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. How are you feeling, Allison?
0: Uh, I'm recovering nicely. Uh, I'm a little bit tired still, so if my brain is on... Uh, the back burner today. I do apologize a little bit. My voice seems to be back. So as long as you look good and sound good, I think everything will go fine. Your your brain at half
1: mast is still, you know, <laughs> top top 5%. So That's very kind. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of very kind, there are people who support the show over at patreon.com slash aisle45pod. That is A-I-S-L-E-4-5-P-O-D. You make the show go. And so a big thank you to a L J K 8 to Judy Pace to Carol to Daryl McGrath to there is some good in this world Mr Frodo and it's worth fighting for there you go and to Zoe the puppy pugs best friend well i think we need to see some some pug puppy pics because uh pugs are adorable if you know only clinging to life just barely so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i'm i always welcome a uh, pet pet pics we have of actually We actually have a pod pet tax over on the Daily Beans. If you want to submit a good news story, you you must attach a photo of a pet or uh, an adoptable pet in your area. So, um, and we get all, we get the cutest things. So today, what I wanted to talk to you about, Andrew, because, you know, we go over the philosophical stuff over on the Beans, but I wanted to jump into the legal weeds about some potentially new crimes um, that could be brought up based on what Cassidy Hutchinson testified to recently to the to the committee in that surprise hearing that we saw, and we already know about 18 Title uh, Title 18 U.S. Code 371, um, conspiracy to defraud the United States, and 1512 C2, which we've talked about forever, obstructing an official proceeding. But we also now could possibly be looking at 1512 D, which is witness tampering. Um, 2383 and 2384, seditious <laughs> conspiracy, well, uh, insurrection, inciting an insurrection and seditious conspiracy, respectively. And and a lot of experts like Lawrence Tribe and Randall Eliasson and George Conway and, and folks are, are starting to write think pieces and op-eds about how those could now be on the table. And I wanted to talk to you about that because, you know, forever I've been like, everyone chill. It's not treason. It's not... Insurrection. It's not seditious conspiracy for Donald. Let's just stick with obstructing an official proceeding. It's easier to prove. We don't have to mess with intent or, you know, too much or anything like that Um, because, you know, you don't have to have an explicit agreement between two parties trying to do the same crimes. Uh, But now those seditious conspiracy and potentially inciting an insurrection are on the table. So can you talk about the elements of, let's start with seditious conspiracy because the big point. Is the force right? I I I think
1: that's right, and I think uh, just a, a spoiler to the end of uh, of this question, I think the force element is where the January sixth committee needs to shore up what it has proven so far. So, eighteen USC twenty three eighty four, pretty short statute. Uh, again, up until January sixth, uh, an infrequently. Uh, cited statute uh, as the basis for prosecutions, but there were prosecutions under this section in connection with uh, 9/11 and earlier. So it's you know it's not like this was uh, you know a 75 year old abortion law that they decided to just dust off the books for no reason, right? This is uh, this is a a real criminal statute that has been used to prosecute a handful of folks uh, over the past hundred years, and it says if two or more persons in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow put down or destroy by force the government of the United States okay that's that's one area Did, do you think the evidence against Trump is sufficient to say conspire to overthrow the government of the United States that is a pretty big component to it right or to levy war against them right? probably not that <laughs> or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States. And then there's some more stuff. But, but, but to me, that's, that's the always key. been, yeah, the, the key phrase there. By force, okay, so that is a crucial element, to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, to wit, to hinder or delay or prevent the execution of the Electoral Count Act. USC 15. I think we have very, very good evidence that that's what they were trying to do. The question is, were they trying to do that by force? And again, you know, listeners to this show, to your show, to my show, uh, yeah, we've already connected up the dots. But remember when you're talking about prosecuting, (laughs) you know, depriving somebody, and by the way, uh, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both, right? This is an incredibly serious felony, right? This is not um, on a par with, you know, 18 USC, 1001 false statements where you get zero to six months. This is real jail time. I worked out the sentencing guidelines uh, in the the case of, of someone like Trump. And you're talking about nine years in prison if you went to trial and lost on this offense, right? That would be uh, roughly the sentencing guideline range eight to nine years so yeah. and 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 let's be honest, that would be the end of donald trump's life, right so so, great, rest of your life in an orange jumpsuit um seems fair, so h- how do we get there? I don't know uh that Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony helped us with the key element of twenty three eighty four which is. The By force to prevent, right? Because one of the ways that you could as a a defense lawyer, uh, as Trump's defense lawyer, get out of this is uh, by saying, oh, yeah, we absolutely intended to prevent, hinder or delay the execution of the Electoral Count Act, but we had no intention of anybody doing that forcefully. And the proof of that is look at all these memos we drafted, right? Like we were going to do this by persuading people, by filing lawsuits, by you know, me taking the bully pulpit and, uh, you know, uh, by telling Mike Pence to do it and then having, uh, you know, Ted Cruz come back and propose, have a motion to to send back to the states to wait for two weeks, right? That was sort of their their fallback position. And none of that is forceful. And so if all of that is kind of within the bounds of, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you could concede we knew our position was bullshit, right? Like you could throw Eastman under the bus. You could say, yep, he definitely wrote that email that said, hey, well, me, you know, uh, to Greg Jacob, now that you've done a little like crime, what's a little more? Right. <laughs> um, which is
0: pretty much what that email says. Right. It's like exactly it says, what that email says. It was like, um, you know, we had, uh, you know, and and it could be shown that the intent here was to delay the act, to delay the electoral count. And the reason being, and I've always thought this seemed to be part of the plan, was to send the mob over to the Capitol, um, maybe not necessarily to overthrow the government by force or to impede the count by force, but that would be impeding the count by force, uh, in, you know, trying to stop a law from taking place. Because you see in that email, one of the things that that Eastman brings up is, hey, the Arizona debate took more than two hours. That's a right. violation, uh, and the reason the Arizona debate took more than two hours is because the <laughs> fucking attacked the Capitol, right. and and Pence is in a parking garage, uh, trying to get the Twenty Fifth Amendment through, ordering the National Guard to come out when Trump wouldn't do it, and so that seems to me to be part of the Green Bay sweep was to send a mob there to delay the count so that Pence would violate the Electoral Count Act to make it more malleable for him to violate it a tad more. Um, But I do think, and I want to ask you about a couple things, a little brief glimmer of what we might see in coming hearings, was that phone call where Trump directed Meadows to call Flynn and Stone at the Willard War Room on January 5th. Flynn and Stone, as we know, were operationally heading up the uh, Oath Keepers and Proud Boys. But what we're missing is the connection between Flynn and Stone leading the Proud Boys, although there is that Friends of Roger Stone chat group. mm mm-hmm. uh, And the the key thing of, of the connection between Donald Meadows and those two, right? So we're two steps, right? Like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, were are the, the, the two degrees of insurrection. We have to figure out, or... or uh, seditious conspiracy. We have to f- make those connections. And I feel like they might have that information. Well, we know we've seen Adam Schiff say, yeah, we're going to make that connection. So that would be important to this particular statute. Not so much that he knew they were armed, that he wanted to go to the Capitol, uh, etc. But the other uh, important point I wanted to ask you about was George Conway, who knows, Kellyanne Conway's husband, brought up a really good point in an op-ed with Randall and He also brought it up on CNN. We reported it on The Beans. He said, remember, here's a great example of, of intent, right? You, you actually don't have to prove that Donald knew the election was not fraudulent or whether or not his defense can be that he thought it was actually stolen from him. And he brings up the OJ case. And, and not the one we all think of, but the one he actually went to prison for nine years for where he thought that uh, a collector had stolen some memorabilia from him. So he went into a Vegas hotel room and stole it back at gunpoint. And it didn't matter if he thought that that guy stole the stuff. Just like Conway says, it doesn't matter if Donald Trump thought the election was stolen from him. You can't go in and take it back at gunpoint. That's still illegal. What are your thoughts about that particular analysis when it comes to intent? Yeah, that that was really excellent. I agree
1: with everything you've said. I think there's a lot to unpack. So, first, let's go back to the connection between Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, and 18 USC 2384, which is Seditious Conspiracy. Remember, it seems to me that the piece of evidence that is missing right now is something by and among the Proud Boys that says, hey, we just have to breach the floor of the Senate, right? If, if, if we do that, if we get through, if we get inside and we get on the floor, then they will disband, right? And again, how much of that is going to be written down? Uh, not all of the stuff that I have just extemporized. But as you point out, I think this is really, really, really good insight. John Eastman has been, quote, wargaming the scenarios since November of 2020 right? And he didn't just come up with that, oh, hey, you know, since that Arizona debate took more than two hours, we've now technically violated the electoral counter. He knew as soon as the Capitol was breached that that was going to happen. And that's why he had that argument at the ready to go with Greg Jacob. And so I think it is not hard. To me, this would fill that missing piece of the puzzle. If you had the Proud Boys saying something like, Remember, it's important we reach the floor of the Senate, right? And you were able to connect that up with Trump through Stone to the Proud Boys to the Oath Keepers, uh, saying, "All right, guys, you know, get down." And and again, that evidence is close right now. The the uh, evidence that uh, that they were there to you know effectively case the joint. They didn't even listen to Trump's speech. They knew what was happening. They were directed in advance. I think you as a prosecutor could put together that particular case from that one piece of evidence. That is, boss says it's important to get to the floor of the Senate. And is that in an yep. Enrique Tario, you know, text message?
0: Yeah, that's such a important point. And and like it feels like that would be the connective tissue. And by the way, we've we've got an insight into what the Oathkeeper's defense is going to be. Um, in their upcoming trial for seditious conspiracy. And that defense is that they believed Donald was going to invoke the Insurrection Act and anoint them his personal militia that day. Uh, that's going to be their defense. And, and my main question is, why did they think that? <laughs> because there was a lot of talk with Flynn about inciting the insurrection act, and Donald clearly wanted to go to the Capitol. Was that all part of it? Um, and and so that I think brings a whole other yep. element of the crime into it.
1: That that absolutely gets to your second point, which was the the questioning regarding uh, Flynn and and to a lesser extent Roger Stone. So I I think here again, kind of the the key question is. How do you draw a line? How do you draw an arrow that has the arrow tips on both ends, right? Because if that is the defense that is offered at, you know, Tario's trial, uh, hey, uh, we thought that we were going to be acting under color of law under the Insurrection Act. The question is, well, why did you think that? And, and who told you that was going to
0: happen? That's
1: a, What evidence is there objectively to support that, right? Because, again, you you might, you could easily have a jury find that the Proud Boys, reason you know, that Enrique Tarrio reasonably believed that he was going to be deputized by the president of the United States to go in and start breaking skulls and have, have, and it wouldn't be the same jury, but have that exact same jury say, yeah, but, but we think that that's because he misinterpreted. The communications with the president or with the president's, uh, 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 you know, direct handlers, the the folks running. I mean, it now seems very clear uh, that that Flynn and Stone ran that war room uh, over at the Willard Hotel. Uh, yeah. And, and that was the violent arm. Right. We know that. Eastman wasn't there, right? The the legal brains were not in the war room, so you know, yeah, <laughs> we got we got used to. I I the, at least in my lifetime, war room got co opted by uh, the the Bill Clinton campaign in 1992, <laughs> right? And that was clearly meant as an analogy, right? Like we are, and 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 it looks like they meant that literally, like
0: <laughs> right. And so that's my question. It if I'm a if I'm an oath keeper, Stuart Rhodes. And Flynn told me that Donald Trump was going to incite the insurrection act, and that I would be, you know, within the law or pardoned perhaps um, for having caches of weapons across the Potomac and being on call to to violently by force put down the Congress uh, and stop the Electoral Count Act. Is that a legit defense or?
1: Yeah, you know and, and and what you don't no 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 that it's 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 the exact right question to ask right because what you do not want to have happen is you do not want both groups to be able to thread the needle right <laughs> right and and remember that you might think oh well you know that's going to be a technicality or whatever but but in a criminal trial you have to prove the defendant's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt and so threading the needle would be Yeah, we have a reasonable doubt uh, as to whether the Proud Boys knew they were committing crimes because they thought they were authorized by the president of the United States. And then when you go to try the president of the United States, say, yeah, we have a reasonable doubt that the president of the United States intended to commit, uh, intended to convey as much as go down and violently break skulls. And I don't care about the law. Right. And here again, you're hurt by by a couple of things. Right. You're hurt by the fact that the president speaks like a mobster and leaves no traces. Right. And says things like, oh, I just need you to do me a favor and then I can do you a favor. And, you know, it's going to be great. So I need you guys, you know, to go down and figure stuff out at the Capitol. Right. So uh, that's probably not going to be sufficient. And Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony here, uh, again, (laughs) the good news is that after her very moving testimony, um, we we got reports from Adam Schiff that additional witnesses have come forward. Is that Pat Cipollone? I sure hope so. Right? I call um, that I call that the Miku movement. No, I, I know you do, and I just I just love it. It 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 would be hard, you know. Again, so Roger Stone, you know, <laughs> believes himself. He's the only person I've I've ever encountered who believes himself to be a villain in his own story. Right? He's got Richard Nixon tattooed on his back. He compared himself to the villains in The Godfather, right? Like, he's the only person who believes himself to be the villain in his own story. So leave aside the completely immoral and amoral folks. You see the people who are arch conservatives and Trump loyalists struggling at at this point, right? And everybody has their own breaking point of what they need to be able to sleep at night, right? And and so, you know, so Cassidy uh, Hutchinson's testimony was, um, okay, did you know about the war room at the Willard Hotel? Yep. Uh, and did Mark Meadows want to go to the Willard Hotel? Yeah, uh, he did. And what was your view as to whether Mr. Meadows should go to the Willard? And here's directly from the transcript. I had made it clear to Mr. Meadows that <laughs> I didn't believe it was a smart idea for him to go to the Willard Hotel that night. I wasn't sure everything that was going on at the Willard Hotel, although I knew enough about what Mr. Giuliani and his associates were pushing during this period. I didn't think that it was something appropriate for the White House chief of staff to attend or consider involvement in. I made that clear to Mr. Meadows. Throughout the afternoon, he mentioned a few more times going up to the Willard Hotel and then eventually dropped the subject the night of the 5th and said that he would dial in instead.
0: Yeah, and and I have to say that this reminds me of... The the same reason Trump wanted to go to the Capitol and Cipollone was like, you're going to we're going to be guilty of every crime imaginable if you physically go to the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the same sort of reasoning. Cassidy Hutchins said, you're going to be guilty of a shitload of crimes if you go to the Willard War Room, Mr. Yeah. Meadows, yeah, uh, because that directly ties you to the force. Right. Right. That is exactly right. And that's the link that they
1: are trying plausibly to deny or sever at this point in time, right? which is. Uh, you can see them retreating to this position, which, again, uh, would not have been defensible at any other point in human history. So, you know, I'm I'm with you, everyone who's like, well, you know, why are we playing along with this? But but the idea of, uh, yes, uh, the president probably knew he lost. Yes, he knew that uh, it was probably wrong for him to want to obstruct uh, the Electoral Count Act. But he had a bunch of different plays in mind. Um, had already been convinced by his own legal advisors that these plays could not be made in court, right? That they would lose nine to nothing at the Supreme Court and that you would be left with adverse precedent. The same, by the way, you know, <laughs> the the fact that Sidney Powell went one in 61 in her lawsuit. Well, again, she, she wasn't involved in all 62, but, you know that they, they they essentially went 0 and 61 they they won the right you know to have uh, poll inspectors sneeze on people uh and to delay uh the counting of certain absentee ballots in Pennsylvania neither of which affected the outcome they they were 0 and right, 61 yeah on all these substantive claims uh, and you you can show that uh, they knew that that had they brought these as lawsuits, uh, they would have lost on those just as hard, if not harder. And so uh, so you can put all of that together. And, and then the question to, to keep out of seditious conspiracy is just ca- can you prove that that Donald Trump wanted to use force to prevent, hinder or delay the execution of that law? He clearly wanted to use persuasion. Right. We know that we have the 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 direct testimony admissible of Greg Jacobs if Mike Pence refuses to testify as he so has you know so far saying yeah uh, the vice president evaluated this knew this position was meritless and told the president I'm not going to go in uh, and you know just make up electoral vote counts and just ignore the Electoral Count Act. So you have all those pieces in place and and that I think <laughs> to, to go back to where on question one that you asked to me, this was the third part of your question it could, everything you asked was just so good and had so many elements that were uh, bound up in 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 those uh, in the predicate that I wanted to make sure we went down every single rabbit trail. <laughs> you asked about uh, the uh, George Conway Randall Eliason piece, which I think is an excellent piece in The Washington Post uh, June 30th. And uh, it underscores what you and I have been saying, and 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 where I think we are on intent, and where I think right again. Remember, uh, former prosecutors, you know, making this this argument that where you are showing mens rea, right, where you are showing criminal intent, that willful blindness willful ignorance is sufficient to cross that threshold, right? You, it doesn't have to be as crystal clear as, okay, Brad, look, I won by a million votes. I don't care. Just find me 11,780. You don't often get evidence that direct.
0: <laughs> usually,
1: usually what you get is, you know, this discussion that I thought, uh, and, and here, uh, you know, we, we've, we've been over this, but like Richard Donahue just, unbelievably effective in it's playing whack-a-mole, right? The the president would raise seven allegations. I would meticulously go through all seven. He would pivot to another one, and then he'd start back over at the beginning again, right? It was like playing whack-a-mole. And at, at some point, right, a jury can infer, when you've said eight times, well, just watch the video. You can see that that's a suitcase that they're pulling secret ballots out of. Right. And at some point when you've explained three times that that that's a sealed election box, that's why they're on camera feeding it through the ballot feeder. Like at some point a a jury says, oh, okay, this is somebody who does not want to know the facts. Right. This is someone this is, you know, walking through, uh, you know, the meth lab and, uh, you know, putting your hand blinders over your eyes going like, you know, sure is a swell laundry you have down here you know it 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 at at the point in which it's not credible to an average person it's not credible to a jury
0: so and you know speaking of talking like a mobster we have uh, the uh what was teased at the beginning and then came up at the end of Hutchinson's testimony and we now know that this is a text message sent to Cassidy Hutchinson from a Meadows associate that said, Mark Meadows, let me know that you have your deposition tomorrow. He wants me to let you know that he's thinking about you. He knows you're loyal and you're going to do the right thing when you go in for your deposition. And my, my immediate defense to that would be, hey, I'm Cassidy Hutchinson's friend. And Mark Meadows just wanted her to do the right thing, which is tell the truth. The thing I think that fucks that argument up is the word loyal.
1: Yeah, I I think I think loyal fucks that up, and I think the context also makes that a challenge. Which is to to me the chilling part of those text messages that that were relayed uh, was sort of the immediately predicate question right right before Liz Cheney asked that of uh, of Cassidy Hutchinson. She said, um, here's how one witness described phone calls from people interested in that witness's testimony. Quote, what they said to me is, as long as I continue to be a team player, they know I'm on the right team. I'm doing the right thing. That's your loyalty point, right? I'm protecting who I need to protect. You know, I'll continue to stay in good graces in Trump world. Okay. So that's all the, if you're still loyal. And and that's the carrot here's the stick and they have reminded me a couple of times that trump does read transcripts and just keep that in mind as i proceed through my interviews with the committee now that's a threat i mean there, there, right. was, now, there was yeah, no I, way
0: to i hadn't to gotten read to those that. i hadn't yeah. gotten to those phone calls yet i was just yeah. talking about this text from a meadows associate that says meadows knows you're loyal and that oh, oh, the oh. Right
1: thing. I misunderstood because <laughs> you want to talk about also being able to prove up a conspiracy and reading between the lines. The same language is used in another call. So I thought you were talking about another call to one of the witnesses that was teed up, which said, hey, a person let me know you have your deposition before the January 6th committee right. tomorrow. He wants me to let you know he's thinking about you. He knows you're loyal and you're going to do the right thing when you go in for your deposition, end of
0: quote. Yeah, no, that one I don't have any questions about. (laughs) Okay, so my question is that that's the same language. Well, yeah, I mean, sort of. They don't talk about um, protecting people. They don't talk about staying in good graces in Trump world. They don't talk about reading transcripts. This text just says, Meadows, let me know you have your deposition. He wants me to let you know that he's thinking about you, which is creepy. Uh, he knows you're loyal, and you're going to do the right thing when you go in for your deposition. And so I feel like that has a little more room to wiggle out of than the phone calls that you just read. Because let's say this person texting Cassidy is a friend, a current friend of Cassidy Hutchinson's, not a threatening person, who is just saying look, Meadows told me you have your deposition tomorrow, do the right thing. And, you know, like I said, the, the, the defense could be, I did want her to do the right thing. I wanted her to tell the truth. Um, but it's that loyal word that that I think makes that really hard to believe. Loyal to what, the Constitution? Is that what you're saying? We know you're going to be loyal to the Constitution. <laughs> Is that, uh, I don't I, I don't read that in between the lines.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, and again, I think that's an area where you need... A mountain of evidence and you need it to be clear, duplicatively clear. It's it's why, you know, we've urged caution because our listeners, right, our listeners already have their minds made up with respect to <laughs> the question is, uh, okay, and that's fine. There's There's nothing wrong with saying based on... Donald Trump's conduct as president for four years based on the folks that he has around him and based on the available public evidence. I think it's more likely than not that he coordinated with the Proud Boys to serve as muscle to violently interrupt the certification of electoral votes. And I want that asshole going to jail. Yeah. Court I of public believe, opinion.
0: Right. Court of public I opinion.
1: believe yeah. all of that. OK. Yep. Yep. What we're talking about is. How do you persuade a prosecutor to prove that in front of a jury who is going to be instructed and should be instructed, right? Like we, we can never allow our hatred of Trump to persuade us to degrade the same institutions he wants to degrade, right? Everybody who's a criminal defendant is entitled to put the government to the burden of proving their criminal guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And to test, and if I can see these holes, as somebody who really would rather not see them, right, you can damn well bet that even the third-rate defense attorneys, the last people on earth who are still w- willing to work to defend Donald Trump can find them, right? They they can, they will find them. So now, with respect to your point on Cassidy Hutchinson's uh, uh, testimony, every... Aspect. We're now moved to 18 USC 1512. Right. We were at 2384.
0: Yeah, because yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. We've been talking about 1512C two forever, but if you yep. you go down a little bit to 1512D, we run into brand new crimes that could be up on the docket. We
1: we do, but again, let, let's look at the criteria for a 1512D offense. It says whoever intentionally. So we're back into intent world again. Uh you and I have discussed you can prove intent through willful blindness. So uh that, that is there, but but it but that illustrates a higher level of proof that's required, right? So whoever intently harasses another person and thereby hinders, delays, prevents, or dissuades any person from one attending or testifying in an official proceeding, two reporting to a law enforcement officer or judge, right? Three, arresting or seeking the arrest of another person, not relevant here, or four, causing a criminal prosecution, blah, 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 or who attempts to do so shall be fined under this title or in prison not more than three years or both. So uh, that end showing, again, this is a less serious felony, starts with a lower base offense, uh, has a maximum of three years in prison. This is the kind of thing that uh, first-time offender, if this were the only offense proved against you, you, know, you might get a split or a suspended sentence, okay? So- uh, less serious criminal offense, and you still must prove both intent and harassment. And that's where your, to to kind of bring it full circle, your question of could someone say, oh, well, no, this was meant in a friendly way at that link in the chain. It was meant in a friendly way and not as harassment, and it prevented, delayed, or dissuaded Cassidy Hutchinson from attending or testifying in an official proceeding or reporting to a law enforcement officer, uh, then it's still not 1512-D. It must be intentional,
0: and it must be harassment. Well, she did come in four times and didn't talk about this until the fourth time and had Passantino as a lawyer up until uh, early June, uh, who is a Trump world lawyer and who was being paid for by the Trump PAC, um, uh, Save America PAC, where he was raising money off the big lie, uh, probably defrauding donors. But, you know, that's a whole other crime. Um, So, And uh, paying for other people's defense is not a crime. Um, Nope. But using that as leverage to get her to not say certain things is, but you have to prove it. You have to prove that that happened.
1: So so you make two excellent points here that I just want to to draw out and be very, very specific about, right? The first is, um, that 1512D, unlike subsections A, B, and C, is, um, an, an outcome-driven section of the code, right? So, you know, attempted murder means it doesn't matter whether you succeed or not. Murder means you have to have a dead body, right? Um, 15A, B, and C are all about attempting to interfere or conceal a record. 1512D says you must thereby hinder, delay, prevent, or dissuade any person from attending or testifying in an official proceeding. So uh, I think the really smart point that you made at the outset was if one were to argue, right, oh, well, Cassidy Hutchinson testified, Uh, in front of the January 6th committee, you you, you could say, oh yeah, but those first three times she was less than forthcoming. She was represented by a Trump world lawyer, as you point out. Uh, and that passes the standard, right? Any hindering or delaying in her testimony is sufficient to trigger that portion of 1512D. So, so it's just, I, I, I just wanted, I know, I know, you know, but I want to make it crystal clear for our listeners because it was, it's such an excellent distinction. And I've seen folks get that wrong. Uh, that, that, uh, no, like it, it, think about any kind of witness tampering, right? The, the idea is that your witness's testimony is supposed to be sacrosanct. And so if you make a witness slightly less compelling on the stand, right, that's still witness tampering, right? Like, that, that is still a result that we should not countenance in our legal system.
0: So my question then is if Cassidy Hutchinson talks to the Department of Justice and says, yeah, I got phone calls from this guy and this guy in Trump world and this guy, and I felt harassed and I was not as forthcoming in my first three uh, um, t- depositions because of that harassment. I was worried that I would be blackballed. I would never have a job again in politics. I, you know, even if that wasn't what was directly said, she could tell the DOJ, yeah, I felt harassed. And I didn't talk about any of this other stuff, like Trump knowing the people were armed or wanting to get rid of the mags or any of that. I didn't talk about any of that, him wanting to go to the Capitol. I didn't talk about any of that because I didn't want to upset these people who kept calling me from Trump world to say that. Is that enough? Is that evidence how she felt?
1: So that is, I believe, enough to complete the second half of 1512D, right? To to complete the, there is a witness who has been tampered with. It By itself, it does not establish the intent and harassment in the first prong of 1512D. So you need independent evidence. You need more than just What Cassidy Hutchinson felt now, you know, you look, it it is, again, commonplace for juries to look at, you know, mafia level threats. Right. I said, you know, it will really be helpful to us uh, if, you know, you would testify that you were there that day, you know, and witnesses can go on the stand and go, yeah, when the mafia boss says it would be really helpful to us. What they mean is, I will murder you and every last member of your family if you don't do that. And then the jury gets to decide who do they believe, right? The jury can say, oh, eh, no, we thought that nice Don Giuseppe was just saying, this would really benefit me. Or they can say, yeah, no, we think this terrified witness was terrified because there is a habit and practice of yeah, hey, I I'd, I'd just it would be super helpful to me if you would do X. Yeah, really and then means, show the mountains
0: yeah. of evidence of the times that he blackballed somebody from his world, for example, yep. for not that is being exactly right loyal. Yep. right. So and- you just have all that sort of totality of the evidence, which is a phrase that I became very familiar with during the Mueller investigation. Uh huh. <laughs> um, you know, he's dangling pardons. He's uh, cutting people off, like what he did to Cohen versus what he did to Flynn, uh, and Manafort, um, what he's now doing to certain politicians who don't, you know, what he did to, what he did to Mark Meadows, what he did to Kevin McCarthy, what he, you know, why they're all, you know, up his butt now, you know, anyway, totality of the evidence, right? So that can be used, you're saying, as that evidence for the second piece? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And 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 one more component, and this will actually bring us full circle uh, to 18 U.S.C. 371, which is conspiracy to commit offense or to defraud the United States. Something that made my ears perk up was the passage that I quoted to you about, hey, um, they have reminded me a couple of times that Trump does read transcripts. Yeah. Right? Now... Let's think about what that means, right? My first reaction to that was, well, that's just a lie, right? the The transcripts are not public information; they haven't been released. So, but then I realized, oh, yeah, but not if they're also providing for your defense.
0: So what yeah, that means is, he's got lawyers is, in the room that he's paying.
1: Yeah, that that his lawyers, right? Passantino's out there defending you, quote unquote. But when you get the copy of your deposition transcript, which, by the way, every witness is entitled to and is required to <coughs> review in order to attest that that is what they said, right? So that, that's that's an important critical step. Well, they say it deposition. every time
0: during the hearing. They say, we will provide transcripts to the lawyers, blah, blah, blah. Benny Thompson right. says it at, you know, as, as yeah. probably as part of one of the resolution 503 rules. We will provide transcripts and give you 10 days to look over them for uh cons- you know wh- how you know wh- what you think is correct or whatever. Yep. so as soon as they get those transcripts, as soon as Pasantino had those two first two deposition transcripts in his hands, right off to Donald Trump. So when
1: I heard that, I thought, boy, giving somebody a lawyer to represent them in a congressional investigation, but their real purpose is to be a conduit back to you so that you can blackmail them, sure seems like (laughs) a prima facie element of of 18 U.S.C. 371. Well, do you remember
0: when they were like, we need to get Devin Nunes off of this fucking, you know, the gang of eight, because he's just taking everything back to, to, to Donald. Yeah. And, and, and that is right. So. And now he's been served to with defraud. subpoenas, by the way, from the Southern district of New oh, York for, for oh. fraud, not just the, not just the DWAC and the SPAC, but yep. the Trump management, uh true social hole situation has ah, now been yeah, subpoenaed. That,
1: that, you know, that Lord only knows what they're going to find. Right. So, <laughs> so, but again, I mean, let's go back to that, right. This is an incredibly broad statute. Again, Um, this can drop down as low as a misdemeanor, okay? So uh, it's a broad statute, but it's not, you know, unlike seditious conspiracy, is not a high-level felony. It says, if two or more persons conspire either to commit any offense against the United States or to defraud the United States or any agency thereof in any manner for any purpose, and one or more persons do act to affect the object of the conspiracy, each shall be fined under this title or in prison not more than five years or both, okay um, and then the caveat, if the offense, the commission of which is the object of the conspiracy, is a misdemeanor only, then the punishment shall not exceed the maximum punishment provided for such misdemeanor so, the okay, way so I if read you conspire
0: that... to commit a misdemeanor, you're only right. going to be you're put charged away for...
1: with the misdemeanor, yeah, right. yeah. gotcha, yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's
0: it's sort of a piggyback, it ratchets down, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: exactly right, so I read that, and I go, well, providing a fake lawyer to intimidate your witness sure seems like at <laughs> minimum cuz even if you can't win suppose you sever the link right and you show uh that you know that there was no corrupt intent you know again we're we're talking you know worst case scenario you you show there was no corrupt intent um it, it sure seems like planning To stick Cassidy Hutchinson with Passantino and then telling her, oh, by the way, you know, he's going to read these transcripts. And how do we get copies of the transcript? Because your lawyer is going to give them to us. That sure seems like a conspiracy to commit that offense. 1512D, whether you actually carried it out or not, that doesn't matter. You have Ah. to carry out one act. To affect the object of the conspiracy. And that so is So even
0: if you can't prove 1512D, you can prove 371 of a 1512D.
1: That's exactly right. Of any offense against the United States, of which 1512D I, is one of them. I love it. Or that. to defraud them from anything, right? And so I would say also uh you know, defrauding somebody from the right as an executive branch appointee from the right to Uh, neutral counsel, right, would also... I mean, again, there's no case law that says that, but uh, but there's plenty of case law that says you view the object of the defrauding very, very expansively. So uh, I, I think there are multiple ways in which this testimony, which... You know, again. Notice we haven't talked about any of the explosive stuff, right? <laughs> right. We haven't talked about ketchup dripping down the walls. Well, and-
0: those were just <laughs> the drama points to get the whole thing to go viral. Honestly,
1: again, God bless the January Sixth Committee for forgetting that, right? Like, I've I've been cracking the joke for you know since it came out that you know, you know I I wish Bob Mueller had put a couple of blowjobs in the Mueller report, right? Right? Like, right. And then Congress would have fucking <laughs> read it, right? Yeah. It, he didn't, and they didn't. So yes. Uh, the, those kinds of details perked up interest. Uh, Cassidy Atchison, a uh, moving witness, right? I mean, again, remember, this is somebody working for Donald Trump in January of 2021. So, you know, let's not, let's not stick a huge halo on her, right? This is a 25-year-old, uh, arch-conservative, 100% member of the dark side yeah. who finally got bullied too far. And, and those witnesses are, are so credible because when you say, oh, well, she's just out to destroy Donald Trump, a, a jury can look at him and go, doesn't seem that way to me.
0: This yeah, looks no. like somebody... Her whole yeah. career that she was on is toast. Uh, her whole career path that she was trying to, to, to be on is, is toast. She has to do something else now. Um, yeah. Question for you, though, and what really interests me is the circumstances surrounding her changing lawyers. Uh, right before the committee hearing started on June 9th, she ditched Passantino and picked up Jody Hunt, I believe, who is a, a Sessions, you know, guy, right? Like a yep. still the dark side, but I guess not as dark side. Um, not a Trump world lawyer, um, not a Passantino. So not former some,
1: former AAG, right?
0: Yeah, not somebody yeah. who's going to hand over all the deposition transcripts to Donald Trump. Um, what were the circumstances of that? What made her decide to change lawyers? Did someone approach her? Did did was she speaking? Did she get a DOJ subpoena? Um, is there it does it have something to do with the Department of Justice stepping in and saying, you know, like like they recently have with Sidney Powell funding the Oath Keepers defense attorneys, which we still don't have a ruling on, right? Because the judge said and demanded that the Oath Keepers defense attorneys say whether or not Sidney Powell's super PAC is bankrolling their defense and potentially having a conflict of interest or asking the court to waive conflicts of interest if that's the case. So is did a similar thing happen? I feel like we would know if a similar thing happened with Department of Justice, but I'm so curious. About the circumstances, and we only have like five minutes left, but I really am want to kind of game this out. Like, what made her decide? It's twenty five year old, you know, maybe naive uh, person decide who I don't. I I feel like she didn't make this decision on her own. Is what I'm saying.
1: So I'm I'm with you on all that. Like, if you were if you're watching this and imagining that you were watching a legal thriller unfold on the screen, right? Like. This is the time where the ominous music is playing in the background, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my gosh, maybe you know uh, this firm is not uh, the the one that I want representing me." And 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 let's look. So first, let's talk about where she goes. Right, Jody Hunt um, at Austin and Bird, a very very conservative, connected, right, uh, long standing right wing law firm uh they uh often volunteer with the alliance defending freedom and and those folks, so not necessarily a part of trump world but a part of conservative legal circles right and so you know then the second question is did the January sixth committee ask Cassidy Hutchinson about why she she changed lawyers in midstream um kind of feels like you would, right? I if, would. If you've gone to the trouble of saying, hey, um, uh, you know, and reading out the text messages that says, hey, you know, the Donald over here reads transcripts.
0: Uh, uh, yeah.
1: It, it seems to me likely that you would and, ask that question.
0: Yeah. And the committee says that they ask every, every witness this yeah. question. And so I'm wondering if they asked her in her first deposition or second deposition. And right before her third deposition, she was like, you know what? I might not have the right lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> based on them and, simply asking me the question about reading the transcript. Anyone get to you? Anyone has anyone gotten to you? You know that whole yeah. Stone Credico, I'm gonna get your dog. Uh, thing. <laughs> like uh, maybe it was simply that those just that question that prompted her to think about it. It it, it could I don't be. And,
1: and note by the way, you can ask the question. It it also strikes me as not implausible if you are a a semi cooperating witness, uh, that, that you would say, which is how I would describe Cassidy Etchison, a reluctant witness, right? Like this is not, um, this is not a Richard Donahue who was right. Like he has crossed the line and he said, okay, <laughs> I've thrown in with you now. This guy is a criminal and an asshole. And right. Raffensberger,
0: Sterling, yeah, Ludwig. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. They're all yeah, ludic. I don't, I don't know that I would say, has crossed the line, but we could, uh, we certainly are not going to hash that out in the next 30 seconds. Um, But uh, uh, you could come back and go, well, I declined to answer that on the basis of attorney-client privilege, right? Like if you talk to another lawyer and that other lawyer says, hey, man, I don't know that your current lawyer is such a great fit for you, right? You can say, oh, yeah, no, I got that. I I declined to answer that question uh, on the grounds that it would reveal attorney-client privilege. Now, as the witness... A, you could always choose to waive privilege over that particular subject matter. Couldn't really hurt you. B, you know, you could say, oh, I wasn't asking for legal advice. I was asking for, am, you know, am I going to wake up with a horse head in my bed <laughs> advice, right? Um, so, you know, it, it, all of that kind of falls into that second category of, Maybe the committee knows the answer to that question.
0: (laughs) Uh Well, the committee definitely knows who made the phone calls to her. And they definitely know who sent that text message, whether it was, you know, Ben Williamson or some other Meadows aide or whatever. They know they have the answers. And I also can't square the circle that they wouldn't tell the authorities.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or at least have her lawyer advise her to tell the FBI. If if she is in fact in physical danger,
1: yep, yep. I I think that's right, and I and and I think that 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 is we, we did we did not have a full examination of uh, you know was there physical violent witness tampering and intimidation. Uh, I don't think her testimony shows that. I I certainly don't think that uh, a, a prosecutor would would uh, come forward with any of the. Um, you know, 1512 B or C that, you know, sort of require forcible elements. Um, I, I I don't think that I think what we have is yeah, it would be a real bad idea if you testified against your boss and, you know, he reads these transcripts. Uh, by the way, he's paid for your lawyer um, mm-hmm. that 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 that's it's it's important to understand how those facts fit together. But but where you push them too far. Right, I don't, I don't interpret that as a threat of violence. Uh, no, me neither. Fascism,
0: but right. I am interested to see if the Department of Justice is going after any uh, uh, devices uh, uh, of anyone in Meadows' world, just to see and make I, sure and investigate.
1: We know, and again, you know, I, <laughs> I feel like a broken record saying this all the time. Like I get those of you who are frustrated that so far Enrique Tarrio is the guy highest up the chain. Uh, who has been indicted in connection with January 6th after watching the, after hearing attorney general Merrick Garland say, Oh yeah, we're all watching these committee hearings. Uh, And after watching these hearings, uh, I will be disappointed. I will be as disappointed as you are uh, if that doesn't go all the way up the ladder. Yeah. Right. Um, And, 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 and we'll say that on the show. Right. And, and uh, but, but, Let's be clear, those indictments aren't coming down until the January 6th committee wraps up, right? That, no, that,
0: right. They have to have all those not. transcripts because they have to look for inconsistencies in, yeah, in, I, that, could, that could blow up, that could tank their case. We saw it with Sussman, right? It was that, three different testimonies, one to an IG, one to Congress, and one to the special counsel that tanked Baker as a witness. And you can't have that inconsistent testimony to different agencies floating around out there or you're, you're fucked. And
1: second aspect we covered on the show, uh, the um, just, you know, garden variety insurrectionist uh, who was uh, had to be transported out of a facility in Texas and then arraigned in D.C. And they they wound up running the clock on the on the Speedy Trial Act. Right. You got 90 days uh, to uh, to get to an arraignment. And yeah, you, you, you do not, you want to, you want to absolutely make sure that you are not triggering that time period any earlier than you have to. Uh, and what, why would, why would you do that before all of the evidence is in, uh, and, and you've had the opportunity to to make that decision. So that
0: sort of answers the question of why don't they just get them for low hanging fruit and then supersede him later? It's because you, you trigger that sixth amendment. You, yeah, it, kicked, it starts the clock ticking right the minute you and throw an the, indictment down.
1: They've already lost a guy on that. And look, like yeah. th- there's no so so. I want to be a hundred percent clear here. Lawyers miss deadlines. Okay, we're human. <laughs> we're human fucking beings. And when you have eight hundred plus indictments that you've handed down already, and probably a fair number ready to go, uh, and a lot of these are headed to trial. Um, you are encumbering yourself, uh, by adding more work faster, uh, and, and, and you don't want to make this, I mean, could you imagine if, uh, you know, Roger Stone skates on a technicality like that? Well, would I don't be, I have to imagine. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: he has skated on a technicality. Well, I mean, he got, he got a pardon. That's not, that's not quite the same. I mean, you know getting I mean. a pardon? No, 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 no. But, but, like, think of how, think of how mad we were when he got the pardon, right? Yeah, and gets yeah, yeah. to continue to go out and be the Joker in public and well, we had pretend like Cosby, nothing happened. Cosby
0: yep. got off for an immunity technicality, a prosecutorial yep. mistake, so he's out of prison, and, and that that stuff type of stuff pisses us off. So, yep. while the and, slow nature of this investigation does piss me off, fucking something up on a technicality would piss me off more.
1: And keep in mind that the. The, 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 the sleaziest and the most flippable are also the ones who are going to run out that clock, right? Like mm-hmm. you believe you have a cooperating witness, right? And they're stringing you along in X and Y and Z. And then all of a sudden on day 91, you get a motion to dismiss under the Speedy Trial Act. And despite all of their previous assurances, you look down and you realize you've got nothing in writing. And yet you haven't crossed your T's and dotted your I's. Well, holy shit, now it's your fault, right? Yeah. So I, I, I just, I, I, I want to be clear, if you are watching for DOJ indictments, right, to start your stopwatch when the January 6th committee announces that it is in recess, right? When they say, that's it, we've done our job, we'll now let the rest of government and the American public do theirs, right? That's how Liz Cheney will end this. That's how Benny Thompson will end it. And from there, see what happens.
0: Yeah, it was nine months after the Watergate hearings ended that the indictments came down. So that you have to get all that information and don't want to risk that speedy trial. All right. Well, we got to run. Um, But this has been a really, really very, very good technical in the weeds episode. I'm so glad you were here to answer all my questions. Andrew, I appreciate you.
1: I couldn't have done it without. I just, you know, you saw we had to stop at each and every one because you just packed each question uh full of correct observations and uh and neither of us knew this in advance so this is not just patting each other on the back for scripts uh, passed back and forth this was uh this was all on uh on you and coming up with a really fantastic off the cuff responses to our testimony so Thank love doing the show yeah. love doing it with you can't this, wait until next week
0: <laughs> this was an unscripted show just, to, just so everyone knows um And uh, I appreciate you too. And I appreciate our patrons. Thank you so much. You make this show possible. You can be a patron for as little as a buck an episode at patreon.com slash aisle 45 pod. We will love you forever. And you can like put out a funny name and a shout out. And it's always a good time. A good time will be had by all. Uh, Until next week. uh, And whoo, I think we're going to have a hearing on Tuesday, uh, July 12th. Unless we get some, you know, I'm like Dave Chappelle over here. You all got any more of those surprise hearings? Because those are are fun. Uh, And I'm like, maybe Thursday. I don't know. Uh, But Tuesday, I think, is the next hearing. It's going to be part one of the Jamie Raskin Proud Boys connection thing. So um, we may not be able to get that in before we record next week's episode. But you can hear all about it on Opening Arguments and Daily Beans. I've been Allison Gill.
1: I'm Andrew Torres. and This is Clean Up on Aisle 45.